And when you focus on building a culture, you'll never have to hire. Most after the, the first 20 people I hired, everybody else was a referral. Hey, my buddy's coming. I told him to come in today. We had 20 people in the lobby for four weeks at a time that every day we, people were just showing up. Who, who referred you? Oh, they did. Okay. So it's because they were like, Hey, I heard this place is really great to work out. I heard the pay's really good. We were paying these kids, the sales reps, they were making almost the same amount of mon money every two weeks as a full-time rep, at, but they were working part-time. All of the successful people have many things in common. Principles, values, characteristics, we'll call them clues. My purpose is to uncover these clues so that you can use them, apply them to your life and become massively successful. My goal is that you do become a success. My hope is that we partner to buy commercial real estate, helping you generate income and grow your net worth passively, completely hands off. Let's go. What's up everybody to this new episode of the Clues of Success. I am so excited for this new guest that we have here today and longtime friend, Cameron Gilmore. <laughs> Cameron is the host of the podcast, The Art Study of You. He is also has a book that is called I Am Not Your Sales Guru because what he has done with one of the companies that was built. Uh, he's able to take it from zero to 34 million revenue in nine months with a sales course of just college students, which is crazy and incredible. He is the founder of the group Divorce Dads, Single Dads, Bonus Dads, aka Set Dads, but definitely need to let's check him out on his podcast and purchase or read the book. I am not your sales guru. Cam, welcome, brother. <laughs> Max, man. It's great. I love it. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I love what you're doing. I've listened to your, your podcast. So, you know, I'm excited. I'm honored to be a part of this whole project you got going on. Yeah. Well, appreciate it. Appreciate it. And appreciate all your help. I mean, I think you're the only person I really knew who had a podcast at the time that I could, I felt comfortable reaching out for asking for help. <laughs> so <laughs> appreciate, appreciate you helping me, even though I didn't really do anything for like months after, after we had our call. <laughs> But man, you know, I think it's I think it's incredible what you've done with. I mean, I think the biggest mind blowing one that you that I would like to kind of dig in deeper here is taking company from zero to thirty four million in nine months. That is incredible. But to even make it even harder with with college students here, I know you you say you have ten influential steps to grow your company. Kind of touch base on on how you were able to do that. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate that. You know, it's when I, I hear it said back to me, it, it's always um, kind of just awe-inspiring, like, man, that, that really happened, but it did actually. So kind of take a little step back. I mean, I've been doing, I've been in sales and business since 1999. I sold my, you know, I was selling gateway computers way back when. So I've, I've transitioned a lot. I've done a lot through just regular sales and mortgages and real estate, uh, owned and operated uh, companies off and on, you know, over the last decade. Um, so when this opportunity came up um, to build this company, it was, I wanted to do it differently. So the 10 steps, I, I, and I will, you know, here's what I'm going to do, Max. I will send you the copy of all the 10 steps that I have with the outline of what I did and how I did it. So the people that reach out to you, they can, you can send it to them. Um, it's a free gift. No problem at all. Uh, I'll send it Beautiful. to you and, and then you can go and, and distrib distribute it how you may. But the first thing, so the 10 steps are, are really the points that you need to build a company. First, you have to have vision. Uh, there's mission, value, culture, leadership, 
um, obsess when growth, don't follow the trends, set them a five-year plan, two for the price of one, meaning the work days, and then lead from the front, right? Never from behind. So those are the 10 steps. So let's break them down. I want to just break this down really quick. My vision was this. Um, if you've ever read the book, The Traveler's Gift by Andy Andrews, I would go recommend reading it. It's the first really good book that I read in a long, long time. There's a part in the book where the character David is um, talking to um, an individual, Christopher Columbus. And Christopher Columbus is saying, do you see it? He's talking about he can see America. He can see the land that he's going to, right? They've been out, they've been out to sea for 60 plus days. David's like, what are you talking about? He's like, can you see it? Can you see the birds, the trees? Can you see the mountains? Can you smell it? Can you taste it? And David's like, you're crazy. You, you, you're nuts. And that is the segue into when I built this company was this is the vision that I had for the company. I literally rolled out and said in five years, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in the day-to-day -day operations. I want to be out of it. So the first thing I had to do was write out, what do I want my replacement to look like? Because a leader is always replacing himself with the next leader. So the first thing is, is what does the CEO look like? What do they, what do they entail? What do they embody? What's their, what is their background? What is the deep core roots? What, what do they do daily? Are they focused on growth as the dollar amount? Or are they focused on personal growth from the company? Then I, so I wrote out exactly what I was looking for. Then I looked at the chief marketing officer, did the same thing. What did they look like? What are they bringing? Are they focused on, you know, growing and expansion for, you know, opportunities that are kids that are coming up? Or are they, you know, looking to help grow the company and the business? You know, are they actively um, engaged in the digital platform? How are they growing? And then and the chief sales officer and the chief uh, customer service officer. I mean, I broke it all down and laid it all out. And I had this vision in myself in the plan. So that was the first thing I had to do was establish a vision. And yes, the vision board is huge. And don't get me wrong, you have to have vision. But the vision has to be clear enough to where you can go through the bumps and the trials that happens, the highs and the lows, it doesn't matter because this is my vision. This is what I wanted to create. Um, and that book was great for me to draw inspiration from because I could go back and read pages. Um, the next part of it was my mission statement. It was very simple, very easy, very simple. The mission statement was we build people first to raise the caliber of our company. And that was it. We were so focused on, I was so focused on building individuals that I knew, again, go back to the saying, right? All ships rise with the tide. I needed to bring their boats where my boat was. And to do that was to create this culture, right? So the set, to go into culture, the culture had to be built to where I was attracting the right type of like-minded individuals. I always say this, learn this from Gary Vee, you hire well and you fire fast. That was mm -hmm. my, that was kind of my mindset, right? I did the best we could in hiring, but if it didn't work, then we fired you. Um, and, and that kind of sounds a little harsh, but when you're growing a company, you have to remove the emotional side of it. You have to take out the Ooh. emotional part because that's where the biggest killer is. The big, the first big emotion was, why did I, why did I hire college kids with part-time college kids with little to no sales experience? Everybody that I presented this to, they were like, that's nuts. We need seasoned people to come in and help build. And I said, no, seasoned people are tainted by the industry already. I'm not bringing somebody who has six, seven years, 10 years of sales experience, because what happens is this, they come in and they say, 
I'll follow your path and I'll follow what you do for the first six months. But then after that, I'm going to go back to my habits. I'm going to go back to what I do because I know more than what you know. And I'm, and, and I didn't want that. I didn't want this uh, back, this fighting inside the company just wasn't, I wasn't going to do it. And right. the, the second reason why I chose college kids is because they're hungry. Go back to when you were in college, you were broke. You're living on ramen, mac and cheese. That's what you, <laughs> right? Your car could barely work. Most of the times you're riding a bike or we're getting on a bus. So I knew that if I could take uh, these individuals that were hungry to learn and hungry to grow and, and mold them into what I wanted them to become, people first, productive members of society, and then teach them how to sell, teach them how to interact and talk to people that are mad with them, teach them how to run the day-to-day -day operations, then I could, it would flourish. Now, look, it didn't we'll go. So, I mean, the first two months, man, we were dead red. We were so dead red. The investors were, were, were super mad and nervous. You know, everybody kept saying was, am, am I the right leader? Am I the right person to hedge this? You know, we're not seeing any kind of growth. We're bringing in people. We're pushing all this money out. Look, there was plenty of that. It was it was hard, man. A lot of a lot of nights going to bed, going, man, am I going to go in tomorrow? And they're like, hey, we're we're replacing you with somebody else, right? But the vision had to. The vision was bigger than the stress. The vision was bigger than the the naysayers. And so when I brought these individuals in, and 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 we just kept going, and we found I found the leaders within the people that I hired to start replacing me. The first thing I had to do was replace myself as the sell as the as the manager sales manager i couldn't do it so i found my sales manager then i had to replace myself with customer service i had to replace myself there and then i had to replace myself with quality assurance so we started to bring people in elevate the individuals that were, that were in our company elevate them first and then as they elevated then i could then i could go be more creative and that's really why you you know people get into business because they love the creativity side of it you know, this is another point. If you get into business because you want to make a ton of money, you're not going to, you're, you might as well quit. People will see through that a hundred times over. You go to talk to somebody and you, they will feel that energy of, you just want my money. You don't care about me as an individual, as a person. And so right, right. when you, when you establish that, that's, that's kind of the, the mold in which I'm cut from. So yeah. You know, before we get a little bit further, I, I want to start with kind of you talked about vision because I don't think people realize how how important being able to just cast vision to, you know, to your employees or people that, you know, whatever you're doing, whether it's to raise capital for something or to start a business here. You have a vision and I don't know, I'll suggest a book. It's by Cameron Harold and it's called Vivid Vision. But I would like to know how you were able to just take this personal vision that you had and pass it on to everybody else so they can catch on and kind of see what you're seeing, right? Because everyone else is kind of blind until you can just not only have to show them, but you have to literally have to explain what it would look like, what it would smell like, what it would taste like, you know, kind of what it would feel like. How did you do that? Oh, great, great, great question, Max. So once I was soup, I was very transparent and open with people that I was hiring and bringing in. Um, I was fortunate I had a whiteboard and I would write up on the whiteboard. The mission of the company is this, the vision of the company is this. And so there was full transparency. They, they knew where we were at on a week to week basis. They knew, Hey, we were dead red. They knew we were dead red. 
I sat every one of them down. So my salespeople, I sat down and said, listen, I need you to understand something. When you sit in this seat, it costs me money. And this is how much it costs for you to occupy this seat. I, I, I put in there the chairs cost, the desk cost, the computer costs, the software costs, everything, the, the, the hourly costs, commission costs, where they were projected to, and if they did 20% more. So they got to see their entire thing of how much it costs them to sit in that seat. And so we then, we then um, when I would meet with them individually, one-on-one, when we were small, we would look at how are we, are we, how are we getting better at covering our overhead, right? Are we doing better today than we were yesterday and covering our own, our own personal overhead? So everybody was treated like a CEO. Everybody was treated like whatever their book of business was their business. And so I would sit down with them. I would meet with them and we would look at the, the book of business that they had. And we looked at is the projection, not just to cover their seat, but then we also said, okay, here, when you, when you think of your paycheck, what do you want it to look like? What give you need to write down the dollar amount that you want it to look like. And and a lot of these kids, they had never thought of that before. They're like, I don't know. I mean, 800 bucks, 900. I go, okay, so let's write this out. As I'm also writing out the cover, the overhead for the company, I want you to write out what is your overhead, your rent, your car payment, your book fees, your, your, um, the fee to go to school. You have you are you're dating. What does that fee look like? Do you want to buy that person a gift? What does that fee look like? Have you taken a trip? When was the last time you took a trip? Then they all sat there and like, I don't know. So we're gonna write out your overhead cost. So what we could do is mirror both of them side by side. We had them focus on their own personal cost more than the company cost because now we're elevating the person, we're getting their mindset in the right position, and now we are. I can see the vision for them. So once I knew the vision for my employees, every one of my employees, when I knew their vision, I knew how to tailor the workload at work to match and elevate their vision. So that's that's one of the biggest things that we need to look at when we talk about vision, right? The vision is, but yes, for the company, yes, we were trying to do, yes, we're pitching this. But my one, the one big pitch was we need to, if we can get the employees to believe in their vision, it will elevate everything we do as a company, 100% tenfold. And that is the biggest misconception right now in business is I want to show you my vision, which is great, but what about all the people that we hire? How are we helping them catch their vision? And once they did, I mean, obviously the numbers speak for themselves, so. If you don't know who I am or new to the show, I'm Max Moala, owner of Oppie Investments a real estate investment firm focused on buying commercial real estate. Our deals are designed to be an extremely tax efficient passive investment vehicle where you get to reap all the benefits of owning real estate without all the headaches. No tenants, no toilets, especially no cockroaches. To join the waiting list, go to myapinvestments.com. You'll be able to get the inside scoop and first access to all of our deals. Sign up. Yeah, I love that. <clears throat> you know, it reminds me of the quote by Zig Ziglar that says, you can have everything that you want if you help enough people get what they want. So yeah, you as the as the company, yeah, you guys want to be profitable. You want to get out of the red. But if you can help all your sales staff 
get what they want. You know, and I love how you kind of broke it down. Like, and they're, they're college kids, you know? So, I mean, I remember when I was a college kid, even sometimes to this day, you know, I'm not, you, you lose track, like, man, what is it that I want, you know? And so you broke it down on them. Like, this is how much money you need to make. This is how much it's going to cost if you want to do more than that. And here's what it's probably going to take for you to earn that amount of money. And so you get them really invested in their own personal vision. And in doing so, it's going to help elevate, like you said, the entire company here. That was amazing. I mean, and I, I agree. I mean, I love that you used college students here too, because I mean, for all of those reasons, they're very moldable, they're very trainable, they're very eager. And then they have a very, especially for sales, they have a very low cost of living. So they're not very desperate. They're not like stressed out to pay all these bills. You know, <laughs> they probably could fall back. You know, they have a safety net, you know, where they can probably fall back on mom and dad or some student loans if they needed to. So, and it's very, a lot easier to make sales when you're not desperate, right? Yes. <laughs> so sell, Selling out of fear is the worst way to sell, you know? And, yeah. and that's with them, they just were like, well, I mean, crap, I'm going to have ramen noodle soup tonight. All right. Um, you know, well, how about we get one more? Do you know that one more sale will get you to where you can go actually go to the store and spend a hundred dollars worth of groceries? They're like, oh, hey, you know, I wanted to make another point too, Max. Even though we're seasoned, right? Even in our lives, I mean, you and I have family and, and we've been, you know, our homes, we got mortgages, cars, the whole nine yards. We still need to understand what is the vision that we have. Right. I often look at myself and go, what is my vision? Like what, when was the last time I really took a, a, a vacation? What did that vacation look like? One of the things that we trained our, uh, those kids to do was pick up a place that you want to go and then reverse engineer. I'm in Italy. So then when you write, I'm going to Italy, it's like, I remember when I went to Italy, we stayed here, we ate at this cafe, we went to this, you'd write about what it looked like, the smells, the sounds, the taste, everything about that culture that you immersed in that in that vision of going on that trip, on that vacation. So every time you looked at that, you're like, man, I remember walking the streets. You haven't actually walked the streets, but you are training your brain to say, I remember what it was like. So when you actually go, you're like, oh man, this feels so familiar. And that is that is when your day-to-day, when you're doing things and you're training yourself, I've I've landed this job or I landed this 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 sell or I, I did so much. We acquired so much in capital and the investors. You've already you've already done that mentally through your brain. So when it happens, you're like, yeah, this thing, this seems so familiar. Yeah, yeah. Bring it coming. I guess coming back to it as far as that book, Vivid Vision by Cameron Heller, Cameron Harold. But he so his is only casting out three years, and he's very specific three years because longer than that's a little bit too far, but. And he has one for your business, but he also suggests you have one for your family, just like he said. And so, but I, I love it because it's very vivid, you know, and it's more than just a visionary board. It's more than just a few, you know, some uh, sentences of a vision, like mission statement, but it's like very detailed of if you walked into an office, what are you going to be seeing? Who are you going to be looking to? Who are you going to be looking at? If there's going to be laughs in the you're going to see like certain pictures on the wall. What color is the wall? You know, and having those things. And um, I think it's important. You should have those things for your family. I think yeah. that's when things have really, really turned for myself and my family. Me specifically was when I finally had a vision of who I wanted to become, what kind of husband I wanted to become, what kind of father I wanted to become. Uh, because for me, Many years, sadly, <laughs> when I would like, you know, kind of just 
you know, do dumb things or just like, you know, just being a young married guy, I would, you know, my wife was like, is this the kind of husband you saw yourself as? And I was like, I actually don't even know what I saw myself as, you know, I just thought marriage was it. And then it was like, that's it, you know? <laughs> but then I slowly, as I matured, I had a better idea of what kind of husband I needed. I, I saw myself as and things have been better. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yes. But, so I guess carry on with, I mean, the, the steps as far as that are influential for continued growing to growing your company. Yeah. So the next one is, is culture, right? Culture is huge. Um, you know, I'm oh, from, huge. I'm half, I'm half Navajo and half Scottish. Right. So I have deep rooted cultures on both sides. One of the, one of the, on my Navajo side, uh, my dad's full-blooded Navajo. There's a word that I absolutely love. It's called hojo, right? And there's there's not really a direct translation of the word hojo, but hojo means balance, mind, body, soul, and beauty. And that is the balance that we're trying to, you're trying to, as a human being, as me, is I just want this balance. So the culture that I was building was I wanted people to come in and have harmonious balance when they came into that and came through that door. So the first thing that we did in building that culture was obviously getting people to, to see the vision, know the vision, understand the vision. I had a big, huge wall. It was blank. It was empty. And I said, that wall is your, is our quote wall. You can write whatever you want on that wall. That is your wall. That is, the, that is everybody in this company, write something on that wall. It took a time. And then a few posters, some posters went up and then some people were actually writing on the wall things that they loved it just anything that they wanted put on there they put on there and it started to then they they started to feel this culture of i belong to something bigger than myself and when you get that buy-in when you get people to understand they belong to something bigger than who they are or what they think then they will do anything they'll move mountains so when i when I would bring people in, they'd go through the training. Uh, eventually, I didn't have to do any tr much of the training. I, I had actually elevated a guy who sucked at sales but was great at talking on the phone. And I go, "What are you going to school for?" And he was a he was <laughs> going to school to be a, a theater and, and a drama teacher. And I said, "Perfect, you're going to be my new trainer." That is the second one. One point that I want to make is as when you are finding leaders, you don't ask, you tell right? You, you mm. will qualify those that you will qualify. You never ask somebody, you always tell them. So all my leadership that I developed, my trainers, my, uh, my, my floor manager, my assistant sales manager, my senior leaders, my senior, um, uh, sales reps, my senior customer service, my texting agents. I always told them, here's what you're going to do. I'm moving you into this position and here's why. And I would just tell them, these are the why I want you to do this. And I know you'll be great at it. It doesn't, it comes with a title change. doesn't necessarily come with a pay change. When you're starting out as a business and you're, and you're running, running a business, you think if I move you to this position, I got to move you into that money. No, you don't. You just tell them this is what I want you to do. I'm going to mentor you. So when we get to, and tell them when we get to this level, right, we're making this much, then I can increase your pay. So now they have, a, now they've bought into it. Go back to the culture. They have bought into what you're telling them. You're keeping it transparent with them. So the culture that we built it is we elevate from within, never from without. I hired one person outside of the company and she ran my QAQC, quality assurance, quality, uh, quality assurance. And, and I had to move her out, right? However, 
Within that culture, we elevated all the leadership. So you tell them this is what you're going to do. You don't ask them. You never, there, you are the CEO, you're the boss. And you're going to tell them, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. Here's the layout, the breakout, and this is what I want you to do. So inside the culture, we built competition. And everybody tells you, I'm not very competitive. No, that's that you're all full of it. Don't tell me you're not competitive because you are. My <laughs> One of my best sales reps, she was a dance instructor. I remember when I when I was interviewing her, I'm like, you, you, I go, you're competitive. You're pretty prideful, huh? And she, no, I'm not. Utah-based kids, you know, from BYU, they're trying to be humbled and polite. <laughs> like I'm like, you you are prideful. No, I'm not. I am really humble. And I'm like, no, no, no. And so I, I actually said, I don't know if I want to hire you, but I'll think about it. And she sent me an email laying out all the reasons why I should hire. I hired her. She actually became my number one rep for many, many, many weeks. But you would never know she was just cutthroat. And that's, but it's, we created this culture. We extrapolated all of this out. And when you focus on building a culture, you'll never have to hire. Most after the, the first 20 people I hired, everybody else was a referral. Hey, my buddy's coming. I told him to come in today. We had 20 people in the lobby for four weeks at a time that every day we, people were just showing up. Who, who referred you? Oh, they did. Okay. So it's because they were like, Hey, I heard this place is really great to work out. I heard the pay is really good. We were paying these kids, the sales reps, they were making almost the same amount of mon money every two weeks as a full-time rep, at, but they were working part-time. It's because wow. they bought into the culture of what we were establishing. The second thing we did was establish leadership within the, the reps. So we had what's called a mastermind. Once a month, I pulled the top reps together. Top rep meaning if you had the most in sales, you had the most overcome objections, the most close rate. So we had all these levels that I was looking at. I would bring them in in two. We'd bottom, bottom lunch, 90 minutes. We sit them down and go, all right. First thing we'd write up on the board is what sucks? And I wouldn't say a word. Nothing was off limits. You tell me what sucks. Go. I hate this. This sucks. This is a blow. I mean, it was just writing as fast as I could. Okay. What's good? And at first, what sucked was massive long list. What was good was uh, not so not so long. Where are you going to help us improve? So I put the onus back on the mastermind group. Where are you going to help this company improve? And they would, and they've never thought of that. They sat there and thought for a second. They're like, that's a great question. I'm like, yeah, go ahead. If, if, if the call script you don't like, then how do you improve it? You tell me how to improve it. I was still taking phone calls, but they were on the phones and I'm like, you do it. So I put the onus back onto them. That's where the separation has to come with leadership and the mindset of, I am a business owner. I'm not a problem solver. At some point you have to detach. I detached myself and said, you tell me. So they did. They wrote up new call scripts. They wrote up new things to do. They they said, hey, this, 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 boom. And we put it together and it took off and elevated. So then uh, every week when we had a meeting on Fridays, we'd have weekly meetings. I would say, just so you guys all know, all these new changes and all these things facilitated came from the mastermind group. So then we started creating this culture of well, how to become part of the mastermind group. Well, let's look at where you are and look at how can we get you there. And just because you're on the mastermind group did not mean you were guaranteed to stay. You had to prove your worth. So it was this culture of 
embodiment. It was this culture of I'm empowering you to become better. Your voice and the way that you think and the way that you see things is very important. And that's how, I mean, we had at at one point, I mean, I had 75 employees. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Man, I, so many, so many good things. And then I hope that, you know, those who are thinking about hiring or thinking about growing your company are picking up on these things because that I, that's how you can get a business to grow with organically without you being very, very bold is you're pushing your employees to take ownership of the company, right? You're, you're telling, Hey, how are you going to help out? How are you going to build the company? You give them ownership. And, and so when people have ownership, they have a lot more pride, you know, uh, you know, I'm in real estate and you can always tell who the owner of a property is or of any location, is they're the ones that's picking up the little the little pieces of scraps on the floor when they're walking, you know? It's the yeah. old guy who looks like, what, why is he picking up? For the most part, because he's the owner. And that goes the same thing with, with businesses. When they take ownership, they're gonna, they're gonna want it to see it improve. They're gonna want to take some pride in, in seeing it get better, you know? And, and they can be a part of something bigger than the, your, themselves, like you said. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's amazing. Well, you create leaders, yeah. right? And that's what you yeah. want to do is create leaders. And and leaders lead from the front. That was the last point, right, that I made. Number 10 was lead from the front. We're always pulling people to lead to become better. My day, we, um, I'm a very analytical guy. So on a side note to this, because I know you'll probably get a lot of questions on this. Look, I analyze the data more than anything, more than probably anybody. There's the data that you can see. There's the data that you can quantify. And then there's what's called the unknown data. And what that unknown data is, is people, right? You've got to have mm-hmm. a very high EQ. Go back to those. What are What is an EQ? If you don't know, you need to go figure out what a high. If you have a very high EQ, then you can read that unknown data. I have sent people home. For example, there was this a girl she was, you know, she was dating somebody and you look, when you hire college kids, you deal with dates, you know, breakups and makeups and people getting married, you know, <laughs> and I can say this, no, you know, it was great. We've had marriages, we've had babies being born. It was just awesome. She came in work one day and I just knew, you just know, and sat down, got going. And I'm like, what's going on? Sat down and, and she was just like, <laughs> I'm good. I'm like, no, you're not Go home. She's like, I need to be here. I'm like, you need to go home. And she's like, but I need, she's like, but I need to work. I said, tell you what, if you stay here, you are going to have a horrible day. But if you go home now, tomorrow, you will 2X what you do today. I go, do you believe, do you, do you believe in me? Do you believe what I'm telling you? And she said, yes, but I don't want to. I'm like, I know you're having a bad day. Go home and you will 2X what you did today. Tomorrow, what you do today. And I have I have gone in, turned people's phones off. I have shut down their computers, say, you need to go home. And when they go home, they kind of just take this day. So never be afraid to tell. go to your employees and say, I'm sending you home on us. I can say this now. And I said, we will pay, I will pay half of the time that you were here. And then your commissions will work about that. Don't worry about it. So as a as an owner, you there are times when you can see your employees are are, are stressed out because everybody has lives outside of work. So you have right. to be able to read that and say, you go home. Sure enough, man, she came back. She three x what she did, not two x. She three x it, and she came up to me and said, "Thank you. I really needed that." And I'm like, of course, mental health is no joke. And so as a leaders, 
you need to be able to look at your people that you oversee, engage them and say, your mental health is better than you sitting in this seat to occupy a seat, if you will. Yeah, I love that. I mean, as far as, you know, when it comes about when you when you have this, I guess, this obligation to lead and you're also the provider, you know, I think that's a big part of, of those is of those that you, when you're kind of expecting them to perform is they don't really care. You know, you always say the quote, nobody cares how much you know until they see how, they much, you how much you care. care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think that's a big part because you know, I, as far as becoming a business owner, you need to sometimes realize that at the end of the day, they really don't care about your business and everybody who has outside things that they would rather be doing. So if you mm-hmm. can show them that they care, then they're, it's going to reciprocate here. I mean, I think that's huge. Man, you did, man. man that's I, some I, amazing things, man. You said something that I want to, I want to expand upon is if you think that your employees want to be at work, as opposed to doing something that they want to do, you're absolutely nuts. So <laughs> let me, let me tell you. So the, the, I created what's called a two, a two for the price of one. Ed Milet talks about this very much. He talks about having, he creates three work days within one day. He, he breaks mm-hmm. it up into three. I created two. I had it. And this is why I did part-time. We did have full-time reps. Just so you know, we did have full-time employees, but the bulk of my employees were part-time. And this is why I, I would tell them it, out of average, they got their feet wet. They go after a month in work, I would sit all, bring them back all in and say, Hey, listen, Here's why, here's why you're part-time because I know you don't want to do this your entire life. This is not what you're going to school for. My job is to make sure that you're better tomorrow today than you are to were yesterday. So to your tomorrow self can self manifest when you leave my company, not if, but when you leave my company, I'm going to put you in it. We're going to put you as a, as a leadership, as a community, we're going to put you in a better position to where you can understand business operation, business, business acute, understand finance, understand the data, understand what it takes on a day-to-day basis to run and work like a CEO. So when you go to your new job, the where uh, the, the job that you really want, you can command a higher a salary. You can already jump into leadership. You can speak intelligently enough with using business words that the owners of those companies or the hiring people go, yeah, we got to hire this person. They're already super sharp. And, and I tell them, that's what we would tell them right up front. A- adversely to, I say, we have the best. And I learned this from network marketing. We were, we had a multi, I had a multi-million dollar personal development program with just a compensation plan attached to it. So every day that they came into work, everybody sat down their computer, had a Google doc up and it says the attitude of gratitude. They had to write three things that they were grateful for. Then they had to write three things that they were going to work on, not sales related, numbers related, or money related. Meaning if I'm, if I'm getting on the phones and I'm struggling with my sales, what can I focus on that will make me better? My tone is the first thing, my expectation for that phone call. What do I expect? So proactive, not reactive. And third, how can I elevate, elevate the people around me? So when you were having a crappy day, you go back to your attitude of gratitude. You read the things that you're grateful for and you go, this is why I'm here. It's what I'm grateful for. I'm grateful to learn. And we put them on a personal, every, once a month at a motivational video that I would put out. So everybody would watch the motivational video and there was a challenge. It was the CEO challenge. And I put that challenge out once a week. 
And, and it was so, so, so much fun to do that. So when you think, when I split this up into two days, the reason I did that is because the AM shift and the PM shift, I had to treat differently. I could not look at what production did in the, in the morning time, as opposed to what I did in the evening time. And so whether you work, have full time, you know, eight hours, you really, it's nine hours, then eight plus the, the uh, breaks that you get with lunch, split your, split your days up into two days. What are you going to, what is your production going to look like in the AM? When you are on break or on lunch, you completely say, Hey, my first, my first day of work is done. Now I got the second day of work. What does that look like? And how am I going to attack that day? When you can shift and, and split the days into two, you will see you'll see you're more productive because you're not letting the past dictate where you are your present you're not letting your present dictate a future if you're looking to sell your home quickly without hassle look no further than live to give realty the real estate company that buys homes for cash selling a home can be stressful and a time-consuming process i remember when we were selling our home for the first time we weren't sure if the buyers were going to be able to qualify if they were gonna go through closing, if our home was gonna be able to pass inspections. Whatever your situation, Live to Give Realty can help. They offer a simple, straightforward solution to help you move on to the next chapter of your life. With Live to Give Realty, you can expect a fair cash offer for your home with no hidden fees, a quick and hassle-free closing process with no need for inspections, repairs, or appraisals, and they close on your timeline. So why wait? If you're ready to sell your home quickly and without hassle, contact Live to Give Realty today at 888-604-4690. Or check out their website, livetogiverealty.com. Dropping, dropping nuggets, dropping nuggets, man. <clears throat> you know, I think I, I think that's that's so crucial as far as when you're given more time, people take more time to do things. And so I love the fact that you brought up Ed Milet or splitting up your day because you're giving yourself time limits to get things done. You know, like if if you give yourself three days to clean your house, it's going to take you three days. But if you give yourself three hours, you can clean your house in the same amount of time. It's the same amount of work, right? Mm -hmm. But you're just giving yourself a deadline. And so, you know, and I totally agree as far as being a lot more productive and splitting up. I actually need to work, do that a little bit more as far as splitting that day up. But, um, you know, you when you have a lot more focus and give yourself deadlines, you can get a lot more done, a ton more, you know. So much. You talk about time. So here, here's here's something amazing. Um, deep work. If you uh, I read read the book called Deep Work. I've had this. Mm -hmm. um, I've had this theory for the longest Great time. Book. Great book. I read this theory for the longest time, and in the work in in deep work, there was a word that I did I did not know what it was called, but I I was like, it's got to be good because if if it's if it's mentioned in this book, it's got to be. So the word is called the oligodendrocytes, and you're like, what? Oligo, oligodendrocytes. What is that? It's it's it creates mailing. What is that? So you have all these electric currents running through your body, right? The central nervous system. Think of it just like a massive highway. Well, these oligodendrocytes they coat all of these fiber optics, if you will, that are firing this electricity. We all want dopamine. Everybody knows what dopamine is. That's mm -hmm. what we are trying to attain. That is what pushes us to greatness. 
Go listen to Ed Milet's talk with Andrew Huberman. He'll talk about dopamine. You have a higher dopamine push in the pursuit of something than you do when you actually obtain it. Mm -hmm. So how do these two things correlate? Well, the more that nerve or that more that electric firing is going on in that, in that we'll call it a fiber optic, if you will, the more myelin or oligodendrocyte that needs to coat this. Your body scientifically and your mind scientifically can only be in a dopaminic stage. That's not a word. I just, I made it up. It's my favorite word now. A dopaminic stage for 90 minutes. That's it. Once you hit 90 minutes, you plateau and then you actually fall down and you have this massive crash. So when I had employees, when I had people that work, you worked, we called it 90 minute sprints or 90 minute focus. And what you did is you shut everything off. All email, all communication, all notification, social media, everything got shut off. When you, before you got into this 90 minute rush, what you did is you turned on your hype song. That's why you go to anybody's been to a sporting event. They don't, you're, they're not playing Bach. Okay. They're not <laughs> playing Adele, right? They're playing music that you want to go and rip someone's face off, right? That's why they're playing it. Your brain's the same way. Your brain will, uh, equate the music to a feeling or a state of being of happiness. It's get ready for it. So then when you're ready to attack that 90 minute run or whatever you want to call it, you turn on focus music. I have listened to the same playlist from Hans Zimmerman in the fast five years. And I still listen to it today. So my brain knows when this song comes on or when this playlist goes on, it is a hundred percent focus. I just I push, away all this, I push away all distractions and I just focus. And if you do that, you will become more. And to your point that you made, you will become more productive in a 90 minute sprint than you will over an eight hour period. You'll have more time. You'll have more freedom. You have more things that you can do for yourself than you will have just sitting there. And I'm going to click the keyboard for, for, for eight hours. And that's how I, that's what we did. And that was the standard of, on our, on our floor. You had 90 minute rushes. We, we broke it up. So there was never a dip. It was just always even. And everybody was competing. Every, it was always even and everybody was competing. So I do 90 minute sprints because it, you will see it, it will change your life. Yeah. You know, I, I like, <clears throat> like that, that what you had said, because I never really thought about that as far as playing you being very routine or this pattern in your life to get yourself into this same mental framework or in the same right mindset where you're playing the same music every single time and i, I the only thing that i could relate to because I, I don't do that now and i thought i should but when i played when i played football there was one song that i played before every game and it, it's i listened to it dance halls like my thing and it was a, a song by capleton and it's called who them and it's just like it's like just talking about killing people um, but it's, <laughs> but I, I wanted to get this, this killer mindset, right. Uh, especially when you're playing such a, such a violent sport, but that was like, that was, a, that was my hype song. Who then, who then Capleton, but, uh, but man, like that's, that's so crucial, man. And I'm going to, I think that's something I really want to implement. There was one thing that I, I, I talked about getting yourself in the right mindset or I was in a, a high performance coach here and he was speaking and there's ways to just, um, ways that you can kind of just remind yourself or and, and using different senses. So this one was, you're talking about the, the sense of hearing, but every time you have a very good experience to have a certain smell, 
And that was like, that was very different, you know? And he's like, yeah, so every time something happens, so say you make a sale or say something happens and you're very, very happy to start like spray a smell and then start associating that. So if you want to start getting, so later on, when you're, when you're, maybe you're feeling down, you can start associating, you smell that smell again and it'll automatically put you in that happy state. Yep. And so that was, that was something interesting that I really loved. And it was something new that I had, I had learned here, but it's been amazing. What one level deep, one level deep from that. Once you get off that call, right. And, and I taught, I teach this a lot. Once you get off that call, whether it's a sales call, customer service call, a pitch, you, you get off that call, but you, we all go, that was awesome. And then we try to go to the next task. No, the brain, how the brain works is the brain will stay in the current task for up, up to it until it knows it's been completed. And then it needs a 10 minute shutdown or a 10 minute kind of landing, if you will. So then what you can do is take your phone, go to the recorded part of the phone and then start talking. What happened on that pitch? Why was that pitch so well? What did, what was the body language like? What was my mindset like this? I remember when they said this, I did this. I remember when this happened, I transitioned to this way. So you're recapping that call for the next 10 minutes. And then you close that call. And then you title that call. Good pitch, crappy pitch. I should get out of sales pitch. What the is wrong with me pitch. So you have all of these that you can don't draw be a from. pitch. That's right. Don't be a pitch. You have all of these <laughs> that you can draw from. Look, we did this with these ki- with the kids that we were helping when they were first three weeks on the phone. We they'd get on for ninety, they get off. They had to sit down and listen to a phone call, good, bad, and ugly. Right? Then we change it to good, bad, improve. But when they could hear themselves, we would ask them, "What was the mindset you had when you were on this call? When it was a good call? Good call again? Let's quantify it. Good call means that you had good tone." good posture, good presence. It doesn't mean that the call ended up in a cell. You probably still got yelled at, cussed at, hung up on, don't call me, whatever. But a good call is, did I control it? Could I control myself, my emotion? Because you could only can control yourself. So that other layer of sense is when you close that deal, when you close that phone call, record it and then go back and listen to it and learn it. And then you build your book of what you, I like to call your book of you know knowledge. These are, this is what happened was good. This is what happened with bad. And then when you go back to those clients that when they say no, because no is not really no, it's just not right now. Then you can draw on those experiences of last time I did this, let's change it and do this. Or they, they, they really liked when they gravitated when I was going this route. You know, when you're pitching investors, it's the same way. They really love this. They really like this vision. So I'm going to extrapolate this vision. I'm going to go find some more data about this vision. I'm going to go find companies that emulate what this vision is. I'm going to go emulate um, the trends that actually this. So then when I present it, it's like, hey, you met, you said something to me, Mac. We'll just say, Max, you said to me something to me on our last car, our last meeting. You said this. I wanted to help expand on that a little bit more. So I went out and did some research and look at all of this that I found. Two things happen. One, you have credibility. And two, you show that you actually listened to what the other person was saying. So you're following the 70-30 rule. 70% of the time you're listening. 20% of the time you're asking qualifying questions, seven layer deep questions. And then the other 10%, you actually are speaking. If you do that on the first we would tell, I would tell my reps, you do this on the first call, the second call, by the time that third call, if you have to call them back three more times, it's a done deal. But if you do the 70-30 rule, 
you, that that's that's a layer deep, a layer deep of of, of becoming a professional. Mm. Mm. Man, this 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 episode has been money, man. I'm I'm not serious. I'm not I'm not serious. <laughs> but uh, hope for those who are listening who have any goals of growing your business. I mean, this is going to be one you're going to have to listen to a few times because there's leadership training tips for growing, for scaling your business here. I mean, man, Cam, how can how can people get a hold of you? Where can we find your book? I mean, how can we, you know, what's the best way to, to find you? Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, all my social medias are, uh, you know, Cam underscore Gilmore. Uh, LinkedIn, I'm at Cameron Gilmore. Um, you can go to thearchstudyofyou.com. Uh, my podcasts are on there. My book is on there. Um, in fact, Max, whoever DMs you, the first 20 people that DM you, I will let me know. I'll send them the book for free. I will tell you it's like no other book that you've ever read before. I can guarantee you that. Um, um, I want to make this last point. Those of you that are business owners and you want to keep talent for a long, long time, rev share. And what I mean about revenue share is if they have stayed with your company for as long as they have, give them a piece of the pie. The one thing I wanted to establish my third and year three was I never got to year three with my company, but year three was, is if you were with the company for a year, then you started to get rev share. Do the math. If you're making 34 million, if you did 34 million in nine months, what is 0. 0.0001 rev share? $3,400. If you had seven, let's say you, let's keep math simple. $3,400. Let's say you had a hundred employees. How much is that? $340,000. You can't tell me, you can't tell me that you can't set, allocate 400000 half a million dollars to keep people, to keep talent. You made $34 million in nine months and you can't allocate 500,000 of that to give it to people who have invested their time, their energy, their leadership and their, and their know-how. That right there is what I wanted to do. That was the last point I wanted to make. That's how you build and keep talent. I had a 1% turnover rate during COVID. I built this company from 2020 to 2022 during a pandemic. I had a 1% turnover rate. I had more people coming in to want to get uh, to 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 get a job. I couldn't. I couldn't. I just didn't have enough space. Man, love it. Powerful, powerful. Well, everybody, you heard it. Follow, follow this man, Cameron Gilmore. Thank you for tuning in for this episode. Till next time.